views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of our respective employers and its employees, or Southern New Hampshire University. Welcome to Off the Rails, an under-the-radar podcast with an informal discussion of InfoSec and STEM-related topics. I'm your host, Brandon Rickman. With me are my co-hosts, Matt, Gina, and Liam. Off the Rails is an informal educational look into the areas of InfoSec, cybersecurity, IT, and STEM from the perspective of three guys and a chick, with off-the-rail interviews, discussions, and new ideas. So sit down, strap in, and let's go for a ride. Welcome to the show, guys and lady. Hello. 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 That's quite the intro. So this marks the, thank you, this marks the first episode of the podcast, and I, I know I'm pretty excited. I don't know about y'all. Yes, this is fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to this. So as I'd mentioned in the introduction, I'm here with my classmates and co-hosts, Matt, Gina, and Liam. Being this is the first show, how about we all introduce ourselves to the people listening? My name is Brandon. I'm currently a sophomore at Southern New Hampshire University, SNHU, Penman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're good. I'm going to have to research the background on that one, I guess. Penetration testers. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to that one. <laughs> <laughs> working towards, I'm working towards my degree in computer science with an emphasis in cybersecurity and ethical hacking. I live in Texas where I currently work for a medium-sized suburban city as a police officer. I have a passion for computers since I was in middle school where I learned HTML and started gaming. Uh, I have seen enough crime with respect to cyber crime in my eight years of law enforcement to know that I want to get out there and help stop these criminals and help these victims before they become victims. Matt, how about you introduce yourself to, to our guests? Hi, I'm Matt. Uh, I live in Kansas and I work for a company in New Hampshire that does cyber threat intelligence. Primarily what I do is um, a lot of Python coding and supporting the backend databases that the analysts use to do their research. I've been interested in computers ever since I was in grade school. I started programming in basic when I was in grade school and uh, just picked up languages along the way. And here I am. I graduated from SNU in May of 2018 with a bachelor's of science in IT with cybersecurity concentration. So that's pretty much it for me. I'm glad to have you, Matt. Thanks. Good to be here. Gina, how about you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Gina. I am currently majoring in the new cybersecurity degree at Southern New Hampshire University. I'm technically a sophomore, I guess, now um, at SNU. I live in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, I picked cybersecurity because it is a field that didn't exist about 20 years ago uh, the first time I went through college. And the field has just been exploding because of all of the uh, black hat hackers that are out there trying to steal your information and identities. So I uh, am very interested in the field. And after getting my first taste of NCL, uh, found out how fun hacking, ethical hacking can be. So that's why I'm here. Sweet. And for those out there listening that don't know, NCL is a national cyber league that SNU participates in and most of their students. Um, on the show, we will be discussing uh, the recent season 
uh, right now we're about to go into the fall season. So uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, thanks for being here, Gina, and I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Liam, it's all over but the grind. All over but the grind. As you can see, I am the disembodied voice here, just a ghost in the machine. <laughs> um, I picked up my associates in IT from SNHU, I guess, two summers ago, currently working on a BS in computer science. And I'm sure I'll be sticking around to go for the MS in cybersecurity as well. Um, nice. You'd never guess it from the video feed. I'm a bit of a privacy nut. And <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's very dark when you, uh, we didn't have to even go in the face. yes i do have the guy fox mask candy though <laughs> but um otherwise privacy is important because i don't think it's a right it's something you have to fight for and packet analysis is really freaking fun cool well I'm glad to have you on the show and thank you and welcome all and welcome everybody I feel that we've we've got a good collective, a good base of expertise here. So let's uh, let's get started in some stuff. Uh, Matt, can you come to give us any of the updates on NCL? Aren't we about a what a week out? I think. Uh, I think more than that, uh, uh, Liam. I'm going to defer to you on this. Are about four weeks out? Five weeks? Regular registration ends like this weekend. And then, and then they have late registration going on to like Monday or Tuesday. This actual season is like gym will open October 8th. Which is a week from Monday. And then the first preseason game is the 19th, which is a week long. So you said, Gina, I heard you say that tomorrow. So what is that going to be? September 28th is when the uh, registration closes? The, yeah, the regular registration. After that, the late registration is open. I don't know the end date on that, but it's $10 extra after. Tuesday, October 2nd at midnight. And uh, it's, what, uh, $25 for regular registration and then $35, I believe? That's right. Yeah. Right. And you don't have to be a part of a team. You just have to be a student. College or high school? Yes. And either high school student or enrolled in a college class. Well, I know for me being, I know you are all veterans here of NCL. Matt here, we can't we can't utilize his expertise anymore because, well, he's he graduated. Class I'll be now. around for training though. <laughs> Anybody wants that's, that's wants true. any practice? Let me know. No, so, uh, Matt and Liam, they they definitely have helped out starting. Uh, helping with the cyber snoopers, creating a training ground for us. It, I know it helped me. I started learning some of the stuff. So yeah, you can't can't forget about Brad if you're going to talk about the Ludus Magnus, the uh, the the practice area he put together for the for the cyber snoopers. Uh, Liam, you submitted some challenges there too, didn't you? Um, just one's in so far. Okay, so was just it a, a little bit? <laughs> It was a it was kind of a steganography challenge, right? Uh, more of a crypto, but some stego in there. Okay, crypto. So you had to find a, a flag that was uh, encrypted in a in yes. a file. Cool. Yes. So cool. I had those uh, zip files with all the directories to lose the Linux keyboard users in. Oh yes, that one got me lost. I remember now. <laughs> 
it did that very successfully. So yeah, we've got uh, some uh, reverse engineering challenges up there, I think. Um, what else? Oh, some, some PCAPs to look through, net network analysis. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right. There's some log analysis. There's a couple stegos in there. There's a little bit of password cracking. Yeah, I think it kind of touches on most of those categories, so it's a great great place to get your feet wet and, and practice, brush up for NCL. Doesn't the gym open up soon? Uh, I mean, the NCL. I don't gym? remember what time, but sometime in the next 24 hours. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> coming up quick. So Monday the 8th? Yes. All right, right on. I have a question for you all since y'all started this. What are, since y'all have some experience with this, how close is our gym to NCL's gym or NCL challenges themselves? The gym in feel, I guess, is similar-ish. Where you know, it'll post to a challenge and, you know, like, have you looked into Ludus yet? Uh, yes, I have looked into ours and I've, I've done a couple of your challenges. In fact, the uh, zip file one definitely, <laughs> definitely was fun. <laughs> well, that's good. That one's meant to make it just challenge how you think. But like a lot of NCL, it's going to be similar challenges, except we're in Ludus, you're kind of limited to, like if you're working on one country, there is just one challenge, one question, one problem to solve, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, NCL, it's not going to be like a world map or anything, but if it were, it'd be like, you know, you go to Venezuela and Venezuela will have seven, eight different challenges all related. Maybe not the answers related to each one, but at least how you solve them is going to be similar. Okay. So the, the types of challenges you're going to see in the NCL are going to be very similar in a general sense to what you see in Ludus. Yes. But the on-screen interface is going to be different. That's going to yeah. be the, the main difference. We we intentionally patterned uh, the challenges that we made for Ludus to to utilize the skills that we learned to solve NCL challenges, so that it, it, it's it's a direct any practice you do there is directly applicable to NCL. That was one of our goals, one of Brad's goals. Okay. I just double checked. The gym opens at 1 p.m. Eastern time on the 8th, Monday the 8th. So you got 12 and a half hours. Woohoo! Probably it'll probably be open by the time by the time people are listening to this, right? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so. I'm hoping yeah. we have no, 13 and a half hours. Sorry. <laughs> we don't do math in computer science. We don't. Mm -mm. <laughs> We don't do math that well. It's eleven thirty p.m. here. <laughs> <laughs> we let the computers do the math for us. Liam just doesn't do math. Period. So I read an interesting article on ThreatPost this week. Uh, actually, actually no, it was last week. I'm sorry. Uh, they referenced an IBM X Force report about a, a piece of banking malware that's been seen in Brazil, and it's interesting because it. Um, it bypasses uh, hardware-based uh, two-factor authentication devices, and uh, it it oh. does this. It yeah, it was. Uh, I haven't read about a piece of malware doing this up to this point. 
No, that, that's definitely something that, you know, everybody wants to get people to go to the two-factor authentication. And now if there's bad elements are now bypassing that, what's the point? Exactly, exactly. And what makes this the most interesting, I think, is that it's, it's totally social engineering based. Uh, it utilizes malware to, to actually do the device bypass, but it, it's a complete social engineering attack. So what, what the attackers will do is they'll develop a list of businesses that are customers of a target bank, and they'll call up the business and get the person on the phone that handles the banking. And uh, the, the attacker will identify themselves as a bank employee and say, hey, we think your security module's out of date. Can you go to this website to check it? And you know, if the victim decides to go to the website, of course, the security check will fail. And the attacker will then say, oh, don't worry. We've got a new security module you can install. Go to this website and uh, download the update. It still relies on the uh, that kind of you have to go to something. You have to give, give them access to the, the computer. Yeah, you have. They have to get the the uh, the account owner to to do something to install the, the the malware that actually does the the bypass. And the attackers are have have actually uh, this little updater software. They've included bank logos actually in it so that it looks genuine. Uh, <laughs> They'll never stop. <laughs> exactly. And once this uh, quote-unquote update is installed, then uh, it downloads the malware to the computer uh, and allows the attacker to access the bank through the victim's computer so that the, from the bank side, it looks like it's the customer accessing the account, right? So it's not the attacker hitting the bank directly. Right. So they're not going to, you know, throw up any red flags or, or oh, look, there's the customer getting his money. And we did our security update. So pat ourselves on the back. Exactly. Exactly. The bank's not going, oh, so-and-so is trying to access their account from China. Exactly. Once you have yeah, this two-factor authentication, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, you're done. All right, cool. Thank you for that, and go ahead and do what you need to do. Yeah. Once the malware is installed, it'll actually inst uh, download a, a, a second module that is a device driver. So uh, for some two-factor authentication devices like smart card readers or um, uh, the biometric centers like fingerprint reader, that's actually a device that plugs into the computer. The, the malware will download a device driver uh, that will give the attacker access to that device remotely. So then they can intercept whatever one-time password is generated from that hardware device uh, so that when they're connecting to the bank through the victim's computer, they have everything they need at that point uh, to access the account and uh, transfer money. But the it's is it also interesting the manufacturer and the devices that were affected were not identified in the in the IBM report, and this seems to be only affecting uh, uh, Brazil at this point. That's the only place this attack is is, is seen. But they're expecting it to uh, affect other banks and other countries in the near future. So to me, that is either a a targeted attack. To, towards the infrastructure or the banking industry in Brazil for whatever reason, or like you kind of hinted at, 
they found an issue on a device that apparently was only bought or used or seems to be used the most in Brazil. But again, if that device continues to be used at other places, now they have more access to other areas. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the reason we're only seeing this in Brazil right now is because, as you suggested, that device is heavily used there, or that manufacturer's device. Right. I don't know. I think it's starting local. A lot of it, it's relying on the social engineering, So, and you have to figure out which banks these businesses are dealing business with. You know, if you pay attention to the local businesses, see where they're banking and at, and now you know who to target. And... Take Burger King. It's whatever random fast food. Every night, either the manager or a trusted employee takes the bank drop and drives to the bank and drops it in the bank drop, and then they drive on. And it doesn't take much for you to sit in the parking yep. lot, wait for them to leave, follow that car. You don't even have to attack them for the money. You just follow and find out what bank they use. Or while you're standing there, you know, checking out, most of the time you can kind of see the office or a bank bag. And this is just additional steps. It goes to show that most cybersecurity stuff still falls back to the physical security aspect first before it can continue. I think this is also going to lead to um, cybersecurity or whatever that IT division within these bank corporations, companies, whoever, uh, to go through um, training the employees of what to be careful and look for and that to question people on the phone and to not just do what these people say because they sound and, legit. And that's not just this one, but any other social engineering where they're utilizing phone calls to the company. Um, we already know that it's easy to get a Google Voice phone number or you know those kind of things where it's not really traceable. And heck, Liam, Matt, Gina, Young probably know more than me of how easy it is to mask the IP address or reroute it through multiple other areas so law enforcement can't track that phone number it's almost as if you would need a software on your phone system or your phone connected through through a computer that's running a software that does some type of voice recognition that reminds me of some articles i've seen recently where they've been uh, impersonating voices through <laughs> some of those tools oh, really? like audacity i hadn't heard that wow. Oh, after I don't have links handy. I wasn't prepping for that one. Yeah, you brought up a good point about verifying the person on the other end of that phone call. Uh, that's that's one of the classic mitigations for a social engineering attack. Uh, somebody calls you up. You're not sure if they're, uh, uh, you know, they're they're who they claim to be. Ask them for a callback number and call them back uh, directly and verify that you're talking to the organization they claim to be from. That's even risky, though. Asking them for a callback number—I—it's a well, well, uh, well-known or uh, an established business. I would look up their phone number online or through um, any means. Like if you have, if it's like a bank, I would do it through uh, even going to my bank and speaking with somebody. Just posted a link from 
NPR of detailing a little bit about the Another software good point, you use yeah. to make voices. <laughs> you you need to make sure, and you know, I I guess if it's if it's your bank, you you probably and and you're the one who handles the the account. You're you're probably familiar with kind of what what their phone numbers should be. You know what I mean? And if somebody's giving you a, a totally different number than what you're expecting, uh, you're you're right. That's a good uh, good indication that they're not who they say they are. But honestly, how often do you actually call your bank now with online access? And my local branch might have a different number or a local number compared to the um, very true, like maybe an 800 number for the overall company, too. Yes, you can think like computers. You know, you have to if you're going to talk to someone on the phone, you have to authenticate just like they have to authenticate back. Although admittedly, with financial institutions, how many of them actually have messaging services within their own website? So if you have to deal with the banks and you're not completely certain who you're talking to on the phone, you're not completely certain if this letter is legitimate or this email is legitimate, don't respond to them. Go into your bank's website, go to their messaging portal inside their own website and message them that way. That's about as certain as you can get that you're actually talking to who you want to talk to, other than walking to the bank and... Exactly, yeah, walking in the door. We're here with one of my co-hosts, Gina. And Gina, you've you've recently, I guess, kind of switched over to IT and and have started taking courses, of course, in that field, and you're looking towards the cybersecurity aspect. Can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and kind of how you got here? Long time ago, I uh, my first experience with an actual computer class. Uh, my high school offered an HTML class my senior year, and I've always been into computers. Didn't really know that much about them, but got my first computer when I was in grade school. Uh, that was back of the dial-up internet connection days, and fifty-six uh, k modem. Oh yeah, and and only ten hours included per month on AOL, and that first oh, uh, phone bill that came in with the overages was not a pretty, <laughs> pretty discussion with my mom. Two phone lines, one for the internet, one for the landline. We probably should let a lot of the younger generation know that <laughs> you have very nice now. So yeah, I've always had a computer around, um, kind of word processing kind of stuff to start with uh one of the type you know we had the the old school typewriter i would type my you know reports on for grade school and then eventually into word processing so they've just kind of always been around something that i've been interested in through high school i was on iqc icq aol instant messenger yahoo messenger slowly got into irc so that's kind of just always been around talking to people, but uh, college never really knew what was out there as far as computer science or jobs related in computer science or anything like that. So it wasn't even anything I ever considered pursuing as a degree. I, er, from early on, I wanted to be a teacher. So that's what I went to uh, college for the first time. I have a bachelor's degree in early childhood education Congratulations. Uh, I then went back and got a master's degree. Yeah, in education. Unfortunately, I've not 
really ever been in a classroom. That part of my life has just been different. I did take a couple computer classes throughout college, uh, Excel basics, office basics, that kind of thing. When I was back in school for a graduate, I started taking some computer classes. I had a intro to Unix class and uh, another HTML class. So I was going to try to do something computer related at that point in time. But then uh, my life moved me back from Ohio to New Jersey and all of that got put on hold. Computers have always interested me. So fed up with where I was in life, been wanting to go back to school for a while to get a degree in computer science. Uh, my wife did not want me getting more student loans. So it kind of got put on the back burner to see if we could ever just afford to pay it outright. But that wasn't going to happen. And I wanted a change. A little over a year ago now, I started researching the computer science field again and what's out there. And obviously, cybersecurity is all over the news now with all the data breaches and password uh, compromises. And so I kind of did a little bit of investigation into that and saw the growth potential in the field over the next five years. Um, I think it was something 17%. Most starting salaries, obviously, it depends on exactly what you get into, but we're looking around six figures. So I'm like, sure. It's always a bonus. It interests me. Right. But, you know, honestly, I didn't know much about it. Like, I know the basics and the overview and the bad stuff that happens with the breaches. So to follow up with that, like in the time that you are now or the link that you've been in the computer field, do you feel more confident now? Do you like it? Or you, do you see yourself, you really like that, that view? Absolutely. Um, and I have to say probably the, the first season that I played of NCL, which was in April of this year, really opened my eyes as to what's out there. And quite frankly, the fun it can be. Now I realize we're still in a simulated experience and it's not what is the real world and, and what jobs actually entail. But NCL and this uh, Capture the Flag Challenge is based on real world experiences. So there will be OSI, there will be password cracking, there will be hashing. Uh, the web exploits, the Wireshark packet analysis. So it's really been an eye opener. Um, it did show me just how much there is to learn and how little I do know. But, um, you know, I was scared to commit to the first season. Uh, I was also the, the weekend of the regular season. I was going to be in Toronto playing a, a hockey tournament. So I was concerned about the amount of time I would have to actually participate. But with the encouragement of Matt and Brad and Liam and the others in the Cyber Snoopers Slack channel, I just said, all right, I'll do it. I'll see where I get what I learn and go from there. And the only way you can go is up and that it's a personal challenge. You know, it is a competition. And you can see the, the leaderboards, but it's it's all about personal growth. Right. And then that it's that first step. 
a first leap in anything. I'm, I'm sure you felt that even when you went to college for the education aspect, you go on to the masters. Do you want to go that far? Where do you want to lead this to? Then even to this step, deciding to do this, should I, would I, what's going to happen? The unknowns, they're always there, but that's, that's really awesome. Cause I know we probably have, uh, well, myself, I, this will be my first season as well. And so um, I know I spoke to you at the very beginning when I joined in with the cyber snoopers and I'll be honest with you, you're, you're one of the key reasons, just the way that you were describing it, the way you were talking, I was like, okay, well, I mean, she's new too. And she felt that same thing. And that's what I feel. I don't know if I'm going to have time for it, but uh, I'm excited. So that's, that's really cool that, that you can bring that level to people where they're like, well, no, she just knows so much and I'll never be at her level. And, and you're, you're, you're even here saying that, you know, no, I'm, I just started too. And I had those same fears that you did. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, and I still feel like I don't know anything, but um, this, the open CTF that's out right now, uh, Pico CTF, uh, I've gotten on there and, and solved more than I expected so far. And, you know, the encouragement from Matt and Liam and Brad and everybody else, it's amazing. And the stuff that I don't know, Brad and Matt were working on stuff and they had a, you know, a video conference open and, and invited whoever. So I hopped on, they didn't even <laughs> see I was in for a while. I was just kind of like, <laughs> they were working on assembly stuff. So I was like completely lost, but I was just trying to listen in. Cause to me, it's all, it's just absorbing all of the material and you're not gonna understand it all at first, but that's okay. And the other part of it is figuring out exactly where you fit in and what niche you wanna fall into because not every single aspect is for everybody. Some people like the penetration testers. Some people like the password cracking and the hashing. Some people like uh, Liam <laughs> like to play in Wireshark a lot. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's you're not going to necessarily like it all, but that's OK. Find what you do like and keep going with that. So as as a woman in the tech industry um, where you're leading yourself to, what do you feel is going to be some of the biggest hurdles you feel you're going to have to overcome? Or do you feel that there are any hurdles? I, I don't know what I'm going to hit. Uh, again, I'm brand new to the industry. So at this point in time, I would really like to get my foot in the door in IT anywhere, uh, which most likely would be probably help desks in some way, shape or form. From what I've heard from everybody that I've asked for and help from. As far as gender, I mean, you still have the typical stereotypes of you know, she's a girl. She's, a, you know, it, are women just as good as men? Do they know everything? You ask me, of course, and everybody's different. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> and everybody brings their own set of skills to the table. And not everybody's uh, in everything. So you have to find what you're good at and what you're passionate about, what interests you. My goal out of this whole thing is to land a career that I have fun with and I enjoy. I'm tired of working and being miserable. I want to be able to support my family, enjoy what I do, and not feel like it's work. Yeah, and, and as we've had conversations and as I want our audience to know as well, all of us, Matt, Liam, myself included, minorities, women, beginners, we just want people want to be in this industry and we want to help in the best we can and i know if i ever get to a position that i can be influenced i would definitely I, I would wish there was a way that i could interview someone without knowing who they are 
if that makes sense. Just only what their facts are, what they bring to the table. And then, oh, well, that's awesome. There's no way to truly do that, of course, but I think it would be pretty interesting. Um, so where do you see yourself five, 10 years? What's the path for you? Where do you, where do you feel that you wanna go? You're talking about pen testing, hashing, cryptology, um, security analysts. Have you looked into any of the jobs? Do you, do you know where you kind of want to lead to? In, in my current job search, I've done a little bit of searching in the jobs I'm not quite qualified yet for. Um, specifically, I don't know if I have anything in mind yet. Uh, I have changed from the IT with concentration in cybersecurity to the bachelor of science in cybersecurity degree that was just offered right, this uh, term at SNHU. Do you like that so far? Well, I would say my advisor wanted me to kind of stick. I, I'm in um, this term. I have history 200, which is just a general ed class. And then I asked to take the experiential learning uh, 476 class, which we're going to hit later on um, because of the involvement with NCL. So um, my advisor wanted me just to wait off a term or two before I get into more of the specifics, just because he said with a new uh, degree, there's sometimes tweaking and not all the classes that are out yet. So he wanted me to right. just kind of finish the, the stuff I, that needed to get done no matter what, get that out of the way first. So we'll come back in a couple weeks time and I'll give you an update. <laughs> that, that will definitely, you'll be here the entire time. I spoke to my advisor as well about it, and I know SNHU offers several courses where uh, through Test Out PC or they'll prepare you to take the test for, you know, CompTIA A plus or Security Plus or Network Plus. And I'm, I'm hoping my my hope is that somehow we can get a certified ethical hacker, um, even CI uh, the computer information systems auditor or the CCNA, because every time I like I, I've looked at jobs too, and again, I'm not qualified for certain ones that I look at, but I want to know where I'm going or have a goal to get there. And I definitely see those. They're like, yep, if you don't have these, it's probably going to be next pile, you know, and and I, I wish besides doing a boot camp or something where that's they're, they're expensive courses to take, but if you can do them, you just put yourself a step above the next person, no matter what. Right, and and I'm impatient uh, in that I want to get whatever I can and need to to get one of those, even entry level, paid internship, whatever it might be in in an, in the IT field. I am dying to get my foot in the door because I'm just so frustrated with where I am now. It, I only have three years left, but I only have three years left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like one of those things of, you know, it can't happen fast enough, but it will be here before I know it as well. So. Every time I look at the, the course, the program overview, uh, I'm in computer science, but I'm not concentrating in cybersecurity but, or information security, but I am on my own. But I, I get through, uh, you know, finally gotten to the point I'm about to be done with all the, I'm done with the basics. Now I'm almost done with like the major, the computer science major part of it. And I'm about to go into the actual, the actual computer science stuff. And I'm like, you mean to tell me in a year and a half, I'm supposed to be done? No, 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 I'm not ready for this. I'm not. But then again, every time I have to log into my calculus, I'm like, 
can I be done with this already? <laughs> so I, I definitely feel you on that. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring women that are wanting to join tech or even thinking about it? it I would say if you don't know what you want to do and computers interest you in any way, shape or form, there is some kind of job or career out there that you will fit into. Don't put it on the side, ask questions, find a group, find an online community, find people who are supportive and who come from all varying walks of life, who can give you information and real life experiences and suggestions. Don't let the field or computers intimidate you. If you like being in front of a computer, then find something. There are so many different options. You've got develop software developers, you've got the um, mobile application developers, programming, there's all sorts of computer programming languages. There's cybersecurity, there's information technology, there's, you know, com I mean, computer science, when you say computer science, what do you think of? If you ask 10 people, you're gonna get 10 different answers. Right. So Google, find the information you want and and investigate it. And and I gotta say that the community that the students at SNU are amazing. The you know, the, the cyber snoopers group and and even um I'm in the SNU coders Slack channel, right. yeah. which is a lot of programming um from uh students from pro programming classes. It's a huge community. Everybody's willing to help support, provide information and help you get through so and there's something for everyone right and in my experience with them as well they either one they they don't they don't want to just tell you the answer they want you to figure it out but they're willing to kind of hold your hand or guide you through it where you know when most of us are doing it online and and not in a classroom setting it, it, sometimes you have to have that you don't need it all the time but every so often you're like i just i don't get it i've been looking at this for eight hours and i just don't get it and then someone like you know matt or liam or yourself come in and they're like well yeah i had that too and this is what i did and you're as soon as you hear that you're like duh i should have known that and the with slack slack allows real-time communication as well um you know the discussion boards are in the online classes that's new for a reason to you know try to get help from your fellow classmates and from the teachers but it can be slow the teachers have 24 hours to answer you not all students are on at the same time. And the only students that can see that discussion board post are the students in your class. So the Slack channels have definitely like broadened the number of students that actually connect and talk with each other. And you can get real-time assistance almost 24 hours a day, no matter where you are, what time you get on. And if not, you leave your question and within a five to eight hours, somebody pops on that can, you know, start scrolling through the messages. You might even be able to find the answers. And source code is so much easier to read on Slack. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> yeah, definitely true because Slack has the ability to put any language in the format of that language. You just copy paste it in there and select which language and it highlights what needs to be highlighted. It shows what it should be. Gina, I, I thank you for accepting to come on and be a co-host with us. Um, we've already had fun uh, from the times that we've been trying to get this first show going. It, uh, this interview, I appreciate you coming forward with that and helping us out. 
Um, I can honestly see you utilizing your former degree plan in this field. I, I foresee you teaching some of this stuff to new people and even us, because I, I, I can tell you have that. It's a, it's a light, it's a drive. I can see that you're gonna go places. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. I do appreciate all that as well. It's uh, like I said, it's really encouraging to be around here. Matt's been tremendous when I've had answer or questions. <laughs> he's he's willing to help me with the answers and, and he tries to guide me. And then I'm like, just tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sometimes I don't want to be in Matt's shoes because he knows he knows too much. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you again for being here. I, I was curious. You said you switched degree programs. Is there a lot of crossover between the class requirements for the two programs, or do you know? In the the new cybersecurity degree. Yeah, going from going from BSIT with a concentration in cybersecurity to so the concentration what only had four classes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's, uh, um, I think I have a copy of both of my, like my, what my advisor gave me from the old program to the new program. I'd be more than happy to show it to you because I honestly don't know if I even remember. I looked at it, but. Yeah, no, no worries. I was just curious. I, I can't field some of this because I did just as soon as that came out, I started looking at it as well. Oh, uh huh. So in the IT aspect with the concentration, well, what they basically did with the cybersecurity is they changed almost every single one of the codes to CYB right. in whatever course. And so there is not a chart yet that says IT340, which I believe is network um, introductions to network or something along those lines. Basically, the, it's the network plus um, prep course is the same as CYB network uh, intro or something like that. But they're not, there's nothing that says that those two courses are equivalent. So I that's see. the only concern I have. If we already have that and you're like, hey, you know what, I want to be in that. How, how much is it going to cross over or how much do I have to add now to my years here just to satisfy that degree requirement? Right, right. Yeah, I talked to my advisor as well. And it was one of those switching from, like I do BS of computer science right now, no concentrations. But switching over to the cybersecurity program would have added, I think, nine classes. Same here. Yeah, that's that's a lot of that's, that's, a lot of that's semesters. So that's significant. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And and like one of the courses in the cybersecurity, I truly wanted to take, but the prerequisites were nothing that. I mean, yeah, they might help lead to it, but I don't feel that are necessary for me to take that specific class for one of my electives for my cybersecurity or maybe for my computer science degree. Just, just because you want to take it, in other words. Because I would like to have that information and I can't do that. Well, it's interesting. I didn't even look at the classes. <laughs> I wasn't willing to go there. Planning on sticking around for the master's. I get all my cybersecurity classes then. <laughs> Although one thing that came up in the interview, I didn't want to interject then either, is you're talking about all the different uh, certifications. Right. Um, Cyber Skyline, NCL, Cyber Skyline is the people that actually host the event for NCL. The entire thing, well, it's still billed as being preparatory for Security Plus and CEH. But with the changes they made last year, there's not really a whole lot Security Plus related anymore. It's almost entirely 
this is prepping you for CEH. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. I'm studying for Security Plus right now. And yeah, what I'm seeing in the study guide, I'm not seeing in the NCL gym. It's more it's more theoretical, and there are technologies that are touched on in the or not touched on, but focused on in the study guide that NCL just isn't even acknowledging anymore. They're not. They're, I mean, and to be fair, something like uh, an authentication service like Kerberos, you can't really you can't really work that into an NCL challenge. Not really. Like the old style gyms, they were good. In this, well, they weren't really good, but they were good in that they focused on the security plus side of things. Yeah. But once they changed the gym style, yeah, it's all CEH now. Yeah. Well, I I think what happened was they developed the the gym like the gym style that that you're speaking of was was designed prior to Cyber Skyline coming on board, right? Yes. Like they had somebody yeah. else. Prince George's College and another college. Yeah, yep. so I'm sh I'm sure that that gym style with whoever was hosting it before, I'm sure they probably meshed well together. Yeah. But when they but when they switched to Cyber Skyline, then I don't think they they updated the the gym. Uh, I think it took them a season or two. I guess is what I'm getting at to yeah. bring the gyms in line with the new hosting provider, and so we we, we probably just just saw a, an interim a stopgap solution basically. Well, and to clarify what we were speaking about earlier, the CEH is yes. also known as penetration testing. Um, it's it's basically hacking, but on the good guy side. I just wanted to clarify that for our audience in case we have anybody that's interested in that and don't know what we're talking about. White hack. Yeah. We're getting better, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> We gotta do something about that. Everyone except Liam. <laughs> yeah, we got we gotta derail things. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's Get it coming. All off the rails. That's That'll right. be coming in four seventy six. Right, yeah, I have a feeling. So we were just talking about the uh, with the interview with Gina, and we we're talking about some of the course differences. One of the courses here at SNHU is uh, labeled IT four seventy six. It's an experimental learning course, and and uh, basically, it's from what I've gathered is a uh, kind of do your own thing. It's for getting some of those certifications or diving into something that you are passionate about that is relevant to the IT or computer science or cybersecurity that you might want to learn about, but it's not a direct course in college. I'm going to have Liam kind of discuss that and Gina and Matt, of course, jump in. I might have some more questions as I hear more about it because I know Liam and Gina, you are both going through it, and Matt, you you've actually completed it prior to. Yes, that's that's correct. Liam, tell us a little bit about. Uh... From what I get, the general basis for IT forty seventy six is actually involvement in the Cyber League, taking part in the gym that starts tomorrow, and all the gym experience, and then the all the games afterwards, and everything. The, that's the focus for what the class is about. Okay. It's a rather open-ended class otherwise. Whatever you do, as long as it's somehow related, you're kosher. What Liam is trying to say is we have to have at least six hours, preferably 10 or more hours, of whatever it is we're doing uh, documented. Yes. That per week? Yes, per week. Six, 60 hours total, I think, is required for the class. So we'll be closer to 80 plus. 
for 10 hours per week in an eight hour class. But yeah, I don't know the specifics of all the hours because the class is also, it's a six credit class. And part of it, I mean, you get three credits for IT 476. And then you can also get three credits for IT 380. And what is IT 380? Test out security pro. So that would be equivalent to CompTIA Network Plus or the Net CompTIA Security Plus? Security Plus. IT380 is, is, is labeled cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah, what they've provided us then is we get the test out materials for the Security Pro, which is, if you've used test out, it's a really awesome learning environment. It's a lot of labs. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, very much. It's a lot of video lessons and everything, and we've go through, I think we've gone through everything except for one chapter already, and we're just finished week five. That lets us where our last three weeks, you know, last four weeks, all we're doing is NCL. But you, ha you have to go through X number of hours within that test out material to be able to petition to get credit for IT380. But you don't have to take the test. You don't have to take any sort of, you don't even have to take the, the test out certification exam. You just have to put the hours in to show that you've been doing it. You got the hours in. Then you put your petition in, there you go, there's your IT380 shows up in your transcript with three credits. Do you know if we get a voucher to take the test out security pro exam? I believe so. I believe that gets included with when we got the test out material. So that, yeah, that's another... It's just not a requirement. I also know when I went through that uh, SNU also had access to discount vouchers for the CompTIA Security Plus certification testing as well if you've completed that oh yes i remember gwen talking about that and then um i know with the uh, it 201 which was the test out pc pro i have 18 months still to take test and if there is a voucher included in my tuition same for me my a plus one already expired well the test out stuff expired and i didn't take it but i still got like another couple months for the network one and and honestly, everything I hear, the test out material is really good to learn from. The right. problem is most people haven't heard of test out, and so their certifications are pretty worthless. Yeah, that's what I've heard the exact same thing. Is when they kind of explain that it's a college or that they use it a lot in the college aspect, that's when people are like, oh. Yeah. But, you know, I've been through, this is my third test out thing. I mean, this material is freaking awesome. Yes. Going through the Security Pro stuff with Test Out Now and then going to the Tuesday night Sec Plus study group. Oh, it keeps you on. I mean, as long as you're reading the same equivalent chapters, you're good to go. I mean, it keeps you right on par with them and they're studying for CompTIA. Okay. And so then you're, you're basically doing the same. And if what Matt, you know, if we can find some info on what Matt was saying, that's perfect because now you've got a discount. Because I think I just looked it up in the Security Plus is just at. 400 with just the uh, test voucher. It's just under 400, I believe. And I think it's $1,000 with the full bundle package of all of the learning material and the retake and the exam voucher and all that on CompTIA's website. Yeah, it's pricey. I want to say when I looked into the discount voucher available through SNU, this is probably one to two years ago when I looked into it, but I want to say the voucher decreased the cost of the Security Plus test to around $200. So it's it was definitely so worth it. Yeah, it was a good deal. And, of course, CompTIA has the CYSA, which is the Cybersecurity um, Plus 
they have pen tests now plus which i haven't really looked into that i don't know how much um, comparable certified ethical hacker versus pen test plus but going back to what liam and gina were saying were whereas uh, it476 is really whatever you want to make it basically as long as it's applying toward as, as what you're doing is you know related the ncl then you're, you're good to go when i went through my experience was rather than focusing on the technical learning in ncl I was in more of a of a leadership role at that time with NCL and the Cyber Snoopers and organizing webinars and conducting webinars and things of that nature. So my my experience in IT four seventy six was very different. It was more focused on, you know, what were the barriers that I encountered, what were the problems I encountered, how did I overcome those, how did I solve those, and then discuss those with my classmates and and my instructors. So it's really what you want to make of it. Yep, actually in my timesheets and everything, the time we work on this podcast is put in there. And Professor Wynn's like, okay, that's cool, that's kosher. And <laughs> the time at the Security Plus study group, that's relatable, that's kosher. You um, have 50 hours after the second week. Yes. <laughs> Overachiever. So, yeah. about that, while we're, while we're kind of on that topic, what do you have you say timesheets but do you have to write a paper do you have to like this recording i know we're, we've discussed some of that being used do you have to like give them a recording of it or like how do you get credit as i guess kind of how do you prove that you have those hours um the timesheet itself is literally just a spreadsheet and it the timesheet itself is excessively simple for example anytime we spend in test out test out has the thing that reports however many hours you spend each day in the material. So you can use that as evidence towards, yeah, I've spent this much time in test out. Uh, but then I'll put down, okay, well, we worked on the podcast for an hour today, and I'll put down an hour. But then we also have a journal entry every week. And in our journal, okay. part of that is relating everything we've done over the week, everything we've learned over the week, and how it goes ties back into the topic of cybersecurity. NCL is pretty freaking obvious, and the podcast about cybersecurity is pretty freaking obvious, and studying for Security Plus is pretty freaking obvious. And it's kind of it's kind of on an honor system, right, Liam? Yeah, actually. I mean, you can go into test out and verify what the hours are, but everything else, I don't know if you could really verify it. But by the same token, you have topic that the teacher is interested in. You have a topic the students are interested in. I mean, it's not like this is some class where, oh, hum, whatever, this is easy. This is something you're looking to put the hours in because you want to learn. I can definitely attest to that, this this term, because I also am taking, and I would much rather be watching Test Out and playing in the Pico CTF and uh, doing uh, participating in this uh, Security Plus study group and participating in the podcast than Learn, writing a history paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us would. <laughs> I, Liam actually just uh, gave me the link to CompTIA's academia pricing, and I did not even know this, and I've been all over CompTIA's website. So um, just for our viewers, uh, to give you an idea, the A-plus certification voucher is $97. This is just the vouchers that I'm going to go over. They have pricing for the bundles, the training bundles, all of that. 
but just for the voucher for the A plus is $97 as a student. That's just for um, the, the tax, right? Plus, correct. The network plus is $150. The security plus is $209. And it, it goes in further. It even looks like they might even have the CYAS or CYSA plus, the Linux plus, cloud plus. So there's really not a reason that you shouldn't graduate, not only with three, but at least four of these to be able to, to slap on your resume and go, look, I, I did these. And if you, if you study for these and you take these tests, it's more of a, and it's just like this course, IT476, it's how passionate are you about this? If I'm an employer and I'm about to hire you and you're new, I'm going to be taking a huge chance on you. But at the same time, I want to know that you're willing, ready, and want to learn what I'm about to throw you into. And by showing them that you've taken these on your own, by taking this path on your own, not in a classroom, studying all this stuff yourself, I don't know how they can't look at that and go, that's, that's tenacity, that's determination, that's who I want on my team. And from what I gather from talking to recruiters, like I've been to a couple of these government hiring for job fairs and all that, and talking to people that work in IT, and you know, experience is king. Experience trumps everything at all. After that, they're looking at certifications. After certifications, they're looking at college. All these guys that are in school now because they already work in IT, they have their certifications, they've just hit a ceiling that they can't get past without a degree. But as far as getting into the careers, the certifications will help you out a lot more than the degrees actually will. And some of these can be the most employers that are in the IT field, the cybersecurity field, the developer field, they will send you to certain certifications, uh, mainly the ones I think of are, who's the, mo the most expensive one, the C C CISP? CINA? Yeah, the CISSP, yeah, from uh, All you've got that SANS. One and SANS, yes, SANS is so pricey, but from what I can tell, it is very highly sought after. Oh, and yeah. I can really truly see your employer going, okay, look, we're going to pay you back as long as you go get that. No, they may not, but you should be making enough and wanting to further yourself to go seek those to go go after cissp ccna become an auditor for information security because all of these are just little niches you can pull from and potentially move you up the chain no it i'll tell you that's exactly what happened to me i went to school i got my four-year degree I, I i got a job in the industry and what they immediately told me was, you know, not even 30 days later was, okay, now we need you to go out and get these three certifications at least. So Matt, if, if you knew that before you graduated, would you have done more to try to at least get one or two of those before graduating? Yes. Which ones uh, did your employer request? Just so people know. Uh, they, they wanted at a minimum, they wanted uh, a plus, all, all of them are CompTIA, A+, Network+, plus, and Security+. Plus. However, they said if if you get the Net+, plus and Security+, plus, they would forego the A+. Plus. So really, they only, they only required the two. But they also offered uh, on their approved certification list is the Offensive Security OSCP, which is a penetration testing cert. And honestly, it was it was my plan when I started back to school in 2014 was 
to graduate and then immediately go for OSCP. That that has always been my my plan. So uh, my my plan is to get uh, Security Plus, Network Plus, and then OSCP and be done for a while. Never be done. No, you, uh, I, I'm the same way. Never be done. More and more and more. Uh, I want my name at the end of it to look like a like I want my LinkedIn account to just the header part under my name to have like an entire scrolling page before you get to like where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of to wrap around back into it 476, we can kind of see that, that this course alone and my understanding from what I've read on it is you can actually take it twice. Is that, has everybody else heard that or? Yes. Twice as an undergrad and then twice as a grad. I have no idea what it's like on the graduate level though. <laughs> When you get there, let us know so we can find out. <laughs> of course, you're already on the graduate level. So, Godspeed, Professor Wynn. <laughs> well, no, it's yeah. um, Kimberly Lawrence, who used to run NCL for us. She's the one that runs IT for or experiential learning for the grad level. So I didn't, I didn't ever really talk to her, but I don't know if you have Matt or... No, I have not. Okay. Just to kind of wrap up the show, I know we've 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 discussed a lot of things. We talked about what we kind of our intentions are with the show right now we're on a bi-weekly schedule but we would like to get to a weekly we're definitely going to discuss a news a relevant news article each show to kind of bat it back and forth come up with ideas all of us on the show we want to further anyone that wants to be in this and there are select groups of people that just for whatever reason haven't been associated or weren't don't feel that they can be associated in this group and we want to break those barriers down. So we encourage anyone that minorities to women to um, disabilities, any anybody that doesn't think that they really could do this, talk to us for a little bit. And then of course we we're gonna try and discuss either with a professor or with maybe a tool um, that we we kind of see that could be beneficial to people and how to use it. Kind of just give a rundown of it. Maybe even pick up a class. We all go to SNHU or D. So although we're not associated with the school, that's where this topic is going to go around. Right now, the big thing is NCL. So we will be giving those posts, those updates as soon as we have them. Right now, I'd like to this day in history. The Advanced Research Projects Agency, later known as DARPA, accelerated work on what was initially dubbed ARPANET and eventually came to be known as the Internet. The first ARPANET message was sent at 10.30 p.m. on October 29th, 1969. Yay, ARPA. Very cool. That's right. Without ARPA, this podcast would not be possible. That's true. I, I just want to thank all of y'all for being here, being a part. Uh, I've, I think we're really going to have a, a, we have a good collective of people, and I'm really interested to see where this goes. I want to thank our listeners for listening to us pick it up and listen to recordings from the past. Guys, I really appreciate y'all being here. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.